this. This is a football podcast, man. Meat. Football. Good. Man, we talk football. We eat burgers. <laughs> Welcome back to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. I am Josh Johnson. Ben Watts is here with you as well. We are super stoked to kick off our divisional previews with you today. Ben, how are we doing? I I feel phenomenal today. I've been listening good? to Katy Perry. I do. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I was listening to Katy Perry on the way home. What's your Katy Perry of choice? I kissed a girl and I liked it. Taste of her cherry chapstick. I liked it. <laughs> Katie is my girl. Where do we go from here? Um, we jump right into this. There's nowhere but up. Um, okay. Speaking of girls. Yes. You want to get into, I guess, the only real bit of news we have? Oh yes, which okay. ties into the first team we're going to talk about. Yeah, I was. I really did not know where you're going with that. Yeah, um, Deshaun Watson, of course, had a 24th civil lawsuit come forward against him. Um, he did kiss a girl, and apparently, he really liked it. <laughs> oh my god, he loved it. I don't even know what you can say about this situation. To be I, like, I really don't. Like, I don't know what more can be said, other than like this is just really kind of gross, and I, I don't know. Deshaun, it, let's put it this way: the Browns forking over all that guaranteed money just looks worse and worse the more lawsuits come out. Yeah, it's 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 not good. I thought we were done, but. That they're just coming out again. Yeah, it it really makes you wonder, like, how far-reaching is this thing going to go? Is it going to get somewhere? Like, is it even a criminal thing? You know, what's the NFL going to do with regard to suspension? I mean, um, Calvin Ridley got a full year for a fifteen hundred dollar bet. So, what is Deshaun Watson? This is twenty three clim- women claiming sexual assault. Like, that's way worse, guys. Yeah, now uh, 24. So, And I, th- I thought, like, at first, like, maybe some of them were just money grabs, but not all of these are money grabs. No, I mean... Something happened. 24 allegations of something. I'm inclined to believe maybe, that something maybe, happened. Maybe 22 of them are false, but there's one or two that's right. Yeah. I mean, sure. I would agree. Honestly, if it was just a couple, I would... You know, he's a rich guy. He's a famous football player. He's the quarterback for the, you know, now Cleveland Browns. I could I could see how potentially that might be a money grab. Not to say that you just assume nothing. And I'm, I'm not say I'm not saying that they are like to discredit the women either. Right. But this was just like me speculation. I don't I don't know, maybe some of them are false, but But with somebody's right. You know, that that just seems that seems overwhelming. And that's not to say that for sure something happened, because we don't know, and we can't really cast judgment. This but, is purely speculation. Yeah, but it looks really bad. And um, them spending $230 million on uh, Deshaun Watson looks pretty bad, too. The fact that they did that whole maneuver where if he got suspended, he would not lose any guaranteed money. 
that looks really yeah, I bad. Saw, I saw people talking like if they they could let him play this year, but then suspend him next year because that's what would really hurt him, right. money wise. Yeah, I if honestly though, if if there keeps being allegations that come forward, if this they continues to, to happen, they've got they can't let it all happen. Like when there were when there were twenty two and he settled, you know, it felt like there was a little bit of a a finality to it. Like okay. We can kind of, for wrong, right, or indifferent, we can sort of move forward with this situation, maybe. But now that it keeps happening, that there's the 23rd and now the 24th, something like this happened. is not something. And we and it could, it could end up being like 30, or this could be it. Like we don't know. But you got to think that the NFL is going to say, "All right, I've there? had enough." <laughs> Deshaun went to all of them. <laughs> it it's really there's bad. only like one or two in my hometown, so. You live in Camden, South Carolina, Ben. There's not... Don't tell people that. <laughs> There's nothing f- there. I, I don't need the paparazzi here, okay? Trust me. There's going to be no paparazzi. They're going to they're gonna drive to where you live, and then halfway there be like, actually, I give up. It's not worth this it. Is, this is sketchy. This is, this is gross, and they're going to leave. It's not, it's not gross. Okay, it's not gross. It's small. Oh, it's quiet. That is. There's not true. a lot to do. There's not a lot to do. There's a lot of people walking on the side of the road with uh, grocery bags in their arms. That's mean. <laughs> <laughs> That's very <All> mean. <laughs> oh man, let's hop into this. Uh, we have divisional previews coming up here on the podcast over the next couple weeks. We're starting things off with Ben's favorite division, the AFC North. And um, since we've already kind of begun things, we're just going to kick things off with the Cleveland Browns, starting off at quarterback. And, you know, the legal issues aside, Deshaun Watson as a fantasy quarterback has been elite over his past few years. Um, There's a lot of question marks, though, Ben, and uh, a lot of things we don't know. Oh, he's if he plays, he's dead even on the Mahomes, the Herbert, Josh Allen level. Yeah. Like he's top worst case top four. So but also when we're looking at our like our preview, it's kind of twofold of we're either counting on Deshaun playing or not playing. So you have to almost do two projections. Yeah. In my um in my personal projections, I sort of factored in a six game suspension. Obviously, we don't really know anything. And now that I'm thinking about it, I probably should just have like two separate Cleveland Browns projections because, you know, if Deshaun Watson gets a full year suspension, obviously you got to go in and change everything for this whole team. Um, but if he plays, you you're obviously going to have a rosier outlook on the Cleveland Browns yeah. offense and team as a whole. So one I, of the names I don't know. One of the names I threw in here is uh, like we got Deshaun Watson as obviously quarterback. I put Jacoby Brissett in. Yeah. Because if Deshaun doesn't play, like I I don't think Baker's going to be there. So. Right. Realistically, def- you're looking at Jacoby Brissett being the starting quarterback for the Browns at some point this year. Yeah, they definitely brought Jacoby Brissett in to be the backup, and everything points to the fact that uh, Baker Mayfield. Even if Cleveland said we want you to play for us, if Deshaun I gets suspended. Play. I don't he think he will. Play. He he's gone. He's done. Um, so he's going to end up getting I, I moved don't blame at some either. point. I no, I really don't because the way things went down, it just like 
yeah, I don't, I don't blame Blake, Baker at all for wanting to be out of there. I and mean, I he get, wrote his, I, he wrote his we give Baker a lot of hate on the show, and deservedly so. But like, no, nah, I ain't playing there. No, uh, no, not after they, you know, basically said we need a grown up, and then went and got the dude who supposedly raped twenty four women. Like, no, <laughs> no, uh, no chance. Yeah. So the fantasy side of Deshaun Watson is interesting. All the other crap aside, his past three seasons that he's been a full-time starter. He's finished as the QB5 in fantasy. So, you know, obviously he's elite. And obviously uh, Cleveland has their franchise quarterback if he can get on the field. So, you know, my projection of him right now is like an 11-game projection. And what's really interesting is when I'm, especially with the receivers like Amari Cooper, for example, like his, his per-game projection with Jacoby Brissett and with Deshaun Watson are light years different. Like Deshaun Watson can support elite wide receiver one production. Jacoby Brissett cannot. So, you know, Amari Cooper with Jacoby Brissett is probably like a wide receiver three, but with Deshaun Watson, he's probably flirting with wide receiver one numbers. Um, and, and that I think revolves around the whole offense. I don't know how you feel about this. Do you think the running game is vastly different with or without Deshaun? Do you think that they lean on the run game without him if he's not there and Jacoby Brissett's the starter? How do you feel about that difference? Oh, they you 100% have to lean on the run game if Jacoby Brissett is there. I I mean, if, if Brissett's there, I think it's basically more the same from the Cleveland run game. Uh, you've got Nick Chubb's going to come in. He's going to miss a game or two. He always does. Yeah. But he's going to get 240 carries, over 1,000 yards, somewhere between 8 and 12 touchdowns probably. Yeah. Kareem Hunt, more of the same. Like, that usage doesn't change. And I even if Deshaun plays, I don't think it changes. I think they would still – you can't – even if you bring Deshaun Watson in, a run game that good with that offensive line and just that skilled and talented a backfield, they have to get touches. It just – they would be more efficient with Deshaun Watson there. So, yeah. That's I'm, the only thing. I'm a little bit of the opinion that Kareem Hunt would benefit from Deshaun Watson more than Nick Chubb would just because Kareem Hunt is more active on passing downs. Yeah, but, I think Chubb's rushing work probably stays the same, but his uh, touchdown opportunity obviously would go up. But Hunt, right. you're right, he would be the best, biggest beneficiary. Yeah. So let's, let's dive into these running backs. Um, Nick Chubb, I mean, we all know him. He is... Potentially Love one of the, you know, maybe five best real-life running backs in the NFL. He's amazing. Uh, last year, he was number two in yards after contact, number three in yards per carry with at least 100 carries, number two in 10-plus-yard runs next to Jonathan Taylor. He had 41 10-plus-yard runs, and he was number two in 20-plus-yard runs. He had 12 of those. Um, I'm pretty sure it was like, I look at the stats, it was like the same thing. He was like number three in 30-plus-yard runs. Number two and forty plus short runs. Number two and fifty plus. Like he's every year, he's just this efficient. This yeah. is what he does. This is Nick Chubb. Problem with Nick Chubb, he just doesn't get the receiving work, and that's because Kareem Hunt is an elite receiving back, and so Kareem Hunt takes that third down workload, and they you know rotate both of those guys in and out. So Nick Chubb, an elite rusher, like a Derrick Henry level rusher, just doesn't get the third uh, down workload. Both you and I have him as a late RB1. 
uh, maybe potentially a very high RB2, depending on you know how situations flesh out with this Deshaun Watson situation. I've currently got him as my RB9, um, and that's probably a little bit higher than I may have him come the start of the season. I, I, how do you feel about this Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb situation? I mean, as yeah, like I said earlier, as of right now, I'm I'm still exactly where it was last year, pretty much. Where'd you take him last year? Take him there again. Yeah, I I do think that that is pretty much dead on. This time last year, we were talking about Nick Chubb as probably the safest fantasy running back, and I don't think that that changes a bunch. Uh, it just comes down to touchdowns, and that will dictate his safety to me. Yeah. Kareem Hunt. Here's here's the interesting bit. So we you know give Nick Chubb his roses. He was the let's see. I don't have his yearly finish. In he's front the best. Of me. He's the best running back in there. Yes, and that's not to say Cream Hunt is not a great running back because he's phenomenal. But Nick Chubb without Cream Hunt last year was the RB twelve. He he's perennially a back end RB one just without you know the the passing workload. But Kareem Hunt before he got hurt last year was on an absolute tear. He was the RB8, um, and in that same stretch before his injury, Nick Chubb was the RB14. So obviously, they were running the ball a ton. I don't know how much but that changes. But yeah, but he also catches the ball. Um, yeah, it, Hunt, is, Hunt is a very, very good real-life running back. You know, he's probably a top 10 real life running back but he also happens to share the backfield with Nick Chubb uh an interesting stat I found and I brought this up in the RB3s that could be RB1s episode Kareem Hunt for his career every single season that he's played has never averaged less than 13 fantasy points per game each season in his career which that's crazy really blows my mind when you consider he's been a backup running back for the past couple um so even if He's not an elite RB1, which I do think he's got that potential. It just depends on how how much they run the ball, how much he gets uh, work on third downs. He's still probably a very high RB3, if not a mid RB2, um, depending on where he's going in drafts. And I do think that Kareem Hunt at his draft ADP is probably a better value than Nick Chubb, just because Nick Chubb still has that higher ADP. Yeah. In our uh, one of our main dynasty leagues, I have I have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and every year, like I, I just only start Nick Chubb. I never start Kareem Hunt, and I always get fussed out. Like, dude, just start Kareem Hunt in the flex; he'll be fine because he always is. Like, he sits on my bench, and he scores like fifteen points a week. Yeah, he is. He's great. <laughs> I mean, he he really is very, very, very solid, um, and he's probably the best handcuff in fantasy football. Uh, but both oh, yeah. of these running backs are awesome. And they also added, you know, not added, but Dearness Johnson is the third guy in this mix. And he's a true handcuff. Like, if one of them goes down, Dearness Johnson slots in and performs well. I think, was it the, the week that they played Denver last year where Case Keenum and Dearness Johnson were starting? Uh, and Dearness so. Johnson had like 20 fantasy points. Like, he's also a great running back that. If you can snag him off of waivers, I think he's a great stash just in case one or both of these running backs gets hurt. Um, yeah. But yeah, they, they're they an elite rushing backfield, I think. And I can never trade Cream Hunt. 
It always sucks. No. Like I'll try um, to I'll try to use him in a trade and I'm like, dude, he's just a backup. I'm like, this dude has standalone RB2 value. He is yeah. not just a backup, but nobody's willing to pay, you know, what he's actually worth. The other issue with Kareem Hunt is his age. I want to say he is 26. Um, him and Nick Chubb actually both. I think Chubb might be 27, but they're kind of both at that I think they're both the age same cliff. Age. They're they're going to be 27 at the end of this season, I think. Yeah. So both of those guys, I don't really think much changes from last year. Basically, wherever you had them last year, slot them back in. Maybe there's a slight downgrade if Brissett ends up starting most of the games, but obviously if Deshaun Watson starts, the touchdown upside for both of these guys goes up a lot. Um, I mean, and how then you far can, is Brissett behind Baker? Yeah, honestly, as far as how a, the offense will be, I really don't think a ton because Baker Mayfield last year was horrific, and exactly. Chubb and Hunt were pretty much the same as usual. So. I do think efficiency that efficiency boost if Deshaun's there, but it. I mean, like, like you said, like it's the same if pretty much if Brissett's the quarterback as opposed to Baker. Yeah, it's the real um, hit would come to the wide receivers if Brissett is the starter. I think the running backs are pretty oh, much yeah. immune. Um, but you know, Amari Cooper, David Bell, I think they would take a massive hit if Jacoby Brissett's the starting quarterback. Uh, but you know, with Deshaun there, both of those guys get a huge boost. Um, David and Joku. Huge Bust. Huge Bust. <laughs> you said Bust. Uh, David Njoku just got himself the bag. He got that $56 million contract. And uh, to couple with that, Austin Hooper left in free agency, and he's now in Tennessee. David Njoku looks like he should probably take a stranglehold on the tight end one spot in Cleveland. He's been you a guy that's... that price tag? I know it. They, they paid him. They paid him the same contract that Mark Andrews got. Uh, I think it was a year ago. Maybe it was two years ago, but I think it was about a year ago. Mark Andrews got the same contract. so Because they're just equal in skill. Exactly. They're the same. Uh, David Njoku with Deshaun Watson starting, very interesting. Like I'm willing to take a shot on him as a later tight end one. Not to say that that is valuable, but you know he could be like tight end nine like he was in 2019. He doesn't really have that target competition, so I could totally see him smashing. For fantasy, he's one of those few tight ends that you probably can get pretty cheap and has the ability to really crush for fantasy. Problem is, you know, like we've already said, if Jacoby Brissett's the starter, I'm probably not going to touch Njoku with a 10-foot pole. No. Do you want to, I guess we lump these last two guys together? Yeah. Amari Cooper, David Bell, the, and I guess. Or I, I forgot Cooper, sorry. Yeah. Um. And you could you could probably also put Donovan Peoples Jones in there as, as well. Um, Donovan Peoples Jones and David Bell, I kind of view in the same light. Yes, they're interesting if Deshaun plays as like depth pieces late because I mean, Mari Cooper is very injury prone, but also like targets have to go somewhere. So with a great quarterback like Deshaun, I'm very interested to see what could happen. I do not care if Jacoby Brissett is the quarterback. Yeah. Sort of the same thing with Amari Cooper, but just a bit to a lesser degree because I think Cooper... He's Cooper a great, would still be good. Yeah, but he, he just won't... The thing with Cooper that's really difficult is his ADP is at an interesting spot where you can get him as like a later wide receiver two, 
And if Watson starts a lot of games, like that's a steal. But the problem is if Watson doesn't start a lot of games, he's going to stink and you're going to end up wasting that pick. Like, I think that there's polar opposites. I don't know if he necessarily stink. Like, he's not he's not going to be like a wide receiver one like he would with Deshaun, but I mean, he would still, he's the wide receiver one on that offense. He's going to get most of the targets. So he would be, I mean, he's viable. The thing is, though, Cleveland last year with Baker Mayfield as the starter was like last in wide receiver fantasy points a game. Let but who are the, their wide receivers outside of Jarvis Landry? Jarvis Landry. Mari Cooper. Mari Cooper is better than Jarvis Landry. Yeah, but it's not like it's not a massive difference between Mari know, Cooper I, and Jarvis Landry. I, I think he's fairly better than like, Jarvis is good, but Mari is fair, a fair amount better than Jarvis is. Potentially, but it's still one of those like not a huge difference to where I'm willing to say Amari Cooper just ra- is the tide that raises all ships. I think he's good, and I do think that he would improve his quarterback a little bit. Um, but I think he's more dependent upon Deshaun Watson being their quarterback than he is just going to like make Jacoby Brissett a viable starting quarterback. Like I like Jacoby Brissett as a backup, but I don't really love him as my starter. And you know, Amari Cooper with Jacoby Reset throwing in passes, I'm not super stoked about. Mm, we'll see. Maybe so, I'll be stealing, stealing Amari Cooper in drafts if that's your look on him. I mean, you might. But again, if Deshaun Watson starts, Amari Cooper could finish legitimately as a wide receiver one. So I, I do think that there are two like very different seasons that Amari Cooper could have. And it just kind of comes down to quarterback play because there yep. there are two polar opposites in quarterback in that building over there in Cleveland. Yeah. Your favorite team in the NFL this, probably is uh, the Bengals, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love a, the Bengals, man. You were bred it's, a Falcons fan. They're in my fan. top three right now. Yeah. You were bred a Falcons fan, but the Falcons have not given Still you am. a whole Still lot. Am. Falcons are number one. I I cannot put anybody over them. Okay, but put it to you this way. If the Bengals are playing at 1 o'clock and the Falcons are playing at 1 o'clock, who are you going to watch? You think I'm stupid? I'm watching the Bengals. (laughs) (laughs) So the Bengals are your favorite team. Uh, Joey Burrow won you a championship last year. Honestly, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase won you a championship last year. That... And T. Higgins, that Burrow, Chase, Higgins stack, the last two weeks of the fantasy season, just rocked the world. Yeah. Which I kind of want to bring up when we're talking about this is, first we'll go into Joe Burrow. That was a phenomenal finish Yeah, that he had to the season. And I wish that I had not been an idiot and done my homework because he had only been okay up to that point. Yeah. And I love Joe Burrow. Huge Joe Burrow fan. He was actually the highest graded passer last season on P- per PFF. But the lack of rushing is a big knock him. on him. So I think Fantasy Pros has him ranked at quarterback six. Which I, would I think not is... take him there. No. So here's the That's thing. That's ahead of guys like Jalen Hurts 
and people like that. Yeah. Joe Burrow last year, weeks 1 to 14, was the quarterback 10 in uh, fantasy football. He was averaging 18.6. Okay, I mean, that's not bad. No, it's not, it's not terrible. But people are drafting him at, like, the QB 5, and no. that's just too rich. Like, he was averaging 18.5 fantasy points a game, which it's, it's good. It's good, but it's, like, basically what Kirk Cousins is in a hot streak. Like, that is a good Kirk Cousins. And, and the, the potential is, is 100% there for this yeah. team to take a step forward. Like, I'm, I'm going to be surprised if he's not a top-10 quarterback. Yeah, because I mean, look at the weapons he's got. The offensive, I think the passing volume increases. Like, there's no way it can't. He's going to take a step forward. His weapons are going to develop. The offense, they vastly improve the offensive line, which is going to mean a better offense. There's going to be more sustained drives and scoring opportunities. Burrow was sacked 70 times last year. Knock on wood, that should not happen again this year. So yes, there's a clear path for him to be better than he was last year. I'm just – quarterback six is too high, man. He's going right behind Kyler Murray. Yeah, that that is a lot. Another weird stat, and this doesn't make any sense, but it's true. That same stretch, week one to 14, Joe Burrow was QB 10, averaging 18.5 fantasy points a game. Kirk Cousins was the quarterback eight, averaging 19.7 fantasy points a game. Yeah, like if, if – just the style of quarterback, if you want to take a shot on the potential – be, be my guess. Like, I'm not going to be mad at you for it, but it's just not a smart decision. Like, if you're going to get that style of quarterback, get Kirk Cousins in the, what, what, is he, what round is he going in? I'm guessing, like, 14th, 15th 12th, round? Yeah, 12th to 15th round, depending on your league. Yeah, yeah he like, is cheap. Go get Kirk Cousins or Derek Carr or somebody like that. Don't take Joe Burrow that high. Yeah. Now, that said, we have seen where Joe Burrow can, you know, string together a couple elite performances and you know his end of season finish what was it like QB six or seven um and it ended up being really really solid because well, that's of that. because he had back-to-back 40 point weeks right he exploded at the end of the year but you're and right the problem just, is it's the lack it's of rushing. where he did it too like if he had done that at the beginning of the year and then finished the year like he started yeah like he would be probably around drafted QB 10 or so. But the yeah. fact that he just he won just destroyed people's leagues at the end. People are kind of still high off that and myself included. Yes. But so but it, like I said I, I'm not going to be surprised if he's a top 5 quarterback like it it's there I could see him throwing 40 plus touchdowns. But it's too risky. Yeah, it's it's really risky without the rushing kind of volume to pair with it but it is a little bit yeah there's there's going to be volatility with Joe Burrow as your starting quarterback you're gonna have weeks where he gives you 12 you're gonna have weeks where he gives you 35 uh but he's not gonna be Jalen Hurts where you get 20 every single week that you can just lock into your lineup and count on and so depending on how those points come he may burn you next year or he may win you a week like it just it depends on where the points are going to come from. And at his current ADP, I'm not going to take him. And it sounds like you're not going to take him either. No. As as much as it pains me, because I love Joe Shiesty, I am not taking him where he's being drafted. Yeah. I would much rather take 
Justin Herbert in like the fifth round or even wait a couple rounds after that and try and my take my shot on Tom Brady or Jalen Hurts or somebody like that or even like Matthew Stafford who I feel like is honestly yeah, the so same much kind more of quarterback value you can get later on that's going to be more or less equal to Joe Burrow yeah and I mean so that same 1 to 14 stretch Matt Stafford the same kind of quarterback right he is a statue doesn't run gives you just passing volume he was a quarterback four. Um, so like Tom Brady, Matt Stafford, Tom Brady in that stretch was a QB two. Those two guys to me feel like the elite, like statue, no rushing quarterbacks. Um, and Joe Burrow's in that mix. But like I would just much rather take the shot on Tom Brady or Matt Stafford in later rounds that give you probably comparable production to Joe Burrow. And you can get them like five rounds later. Uh, so they, ju they just feel like easier sells for me yeah i mean and if we're talking now dynasty is a different story dynasty yeah if you're in a super flex startup you can draft in top five i don't care yeah probably yeah go for it but 2022 late qb1 qb2 yep joe mixon now guys that you can lock in your lineup we're going to go into <laughs> Yes, these dudes. So receivers running the next backs three guys for the Bengals are locked and loaded. Joe Mixon last year was amazing. He was the what was he running back three, running back four? Yeah, I think he was three. He was phenomenal. I I experienced it week in and week out. Like Joe Mixon was really interesting because he was never the kind of guy that would give you 35, 40 fantasy points and just like automatically win you a week. But he never lost you one either, which was so weird because I've had Joe Mixon in years past where he literally lost you a season. I don't know. I feel like he did kind of have some tough games at the very end of the season. Yeah, but his tough games are still like 11, 12, 13 points. Like they weren't three or, you know, true bust weeks. Like he didn't, to me, and I haven't really looked at his game log to back this up, but he just didn't feel like he busted which is what he did in the past with his injuries. He had a few. Did he have a couple? 14 uh, weeks, 13 and 14 and 15, he had nine, seven, and six points. That ain't so that's great. So that's a tough playoff stretch. Of course, but then week you, 16, You're right. In between, between weeks four and 12, he was like averaging like 20 points a game. Yeah. So he was phenomenal. Um, and he, his, the thing with Joe Mixon is it's just workload. Like they didn't add running backs to that backfield that could challenge touches for him. And they also improved their O line. Um, yeah. Joe Mixon last year was number three in carries. He had darn near 300. His O line got better. And it wasn't just like he's a good running back with those carries. It wasn't like a, you know, Najee Harris last year got a billion carries, just wasn't efficient. Joe Mixon was still, efficient enough behind that battle line he was number six in 10 plus yard runs so like he was not the jonathan taylor elite kind of player his fantasy value comes from volume and an elite offense so he's going to score touchdowns but you know the thing with mixon is he's probably going to be really safe next year and i think that there's a possibility he's even better just because his efficiency metrics could get even better behind a better O-line. There's a possibility they throw the ball a little bit more and maybe Mixon only carries the ball like 260 times instead of 290. Um, but he could be better on a per-touch basis. 
I think you pretty much lock him into whatever he was last year uh, and just, you know, expect greatness from him. Yeah. He's – I mean, preseason, yeah, I'd draft him top five. Yeah. I don't – his – I'm not drafting him at, like, running back three, but he's not really going at running, uh, running back three. He's being drafted – if I can pull up underdogs uh, ADP form, he's being drafted the RB seven at the two Oh one. Like, I think I'm going to take him at the top of the second round pretty much every time. If I've got that one, two turn where I can maybe take like, you know, Dalvin cook at the end of the first round and then Joe Mixon at the top of the second, I've already got two phenomenal good. running backs to kick off my team. Yeah. Lead us in Moving to your on. favorite player, Potentially in football, uh, the man you've got everywhere. Give me the lowdown on Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is plain and simple the man. Yep, he pretty much. He is our Lord and Savior. He is <laughs> everything we ever hoped for. Well, that's a little blasphemous. I take that one back. But Jamar Chase, amazing. Number four in air yards, number three in years after the catch. He is explosive. He is extremely efficient. He had 13 touchdowns off of 81 receptions last year. So that is kind of something I was supposed to tie in with Joe Burrow. I, I would expect a little bit of touchdown regression with that. 13 touchdowns is a lot. However, I think his volume should go up. His usage should improve. Uh, I think he had 128 targets. I would expect more than that this year. Um, sorry, looking at my notes. I got confused. Anyway, but the offense is getting better. Let's see. What do you have projected? 1,500 yards, 14 touchdowns. Yeah. I would drop it a little bit because T. Higgins missed some time. We'll talk about T. Higgins here in a second, too. Locked in top five wide receiver. So the thing I don't know I don't know where I would take him. Dynasty wide receiver one or two, take your pick between him and Jefferson. Twenty twenty two, I'm a little on the fence about him. Would you take him over Devontae Adams? I'm not sure. Yeah. But I after one and two, I'm very iffy on him, Adams, and Diggs. Just because Chase is probably the most talented wide receiver in the NFL right now. However, I don't think he's just going to get the target volume that the other guys will. So he's not going to be as safe. I don't know. Where where are you on that? Yeah, I'm... Yeesh. I probably am going to lean Adams for 2022. But that's... I mean, that's splitting hairs. I would probably lean Chase over Diggs. But the thing with Chase, the problem with... He's going so early in drafts. He's going as the wide receiver three. He's going mid-first round. So at the 105... It's wild. Like Justin Jefferson didn't even do that this year. No. So He was like the wide receiver 10 off boards. Yeah. And, and he returned a bunch of value that way. With Jamar, like... I think people are just expecting that he's just immediately going to jump into 1,700 yards or something. And, like, I'm just not 100% sure that happens. There. there was too many bust weeks with Jamar Chase, and I think that's why I'm probably not willing to say, like, all right, it's it's happening. Like, he's going to 
absolutely ruin your opponent's weeks. Like he had, you know, one, let's see, one, two, three, four. He had five weeks that were just complete busts of basically five points or less. That's that's too much for me to take him in the mid-first round. I would much rather take Jefferson at that price or even Cooper Cup at that price going forward. In Dynasty Leagues, yeah, I if, would... If one of those two guys is already off the board, I would just wait and get somebody like like Diggs the next round. Yeah. And I, I don't even think that the difference between Diggs and Chase is that huge. Like, it, it really could be that... Diggs is Diggs is safer. He gets more guaranteed volume than Jamar Chase does, and so there's less volatility. Um, Jamar Chase probably gives you bigger boom weeks. Not probably, he does. He he wins you weeks by himself, um, and Diggs may or may not do that. But Jamar Chase is really interesting. He scares me a little bit at his price, but I can also see where other elite but receivers that it, we've though. counted on have faded a little bit. Like Tyreek Hill's not the same Tyreek Hill. Devontae Adams, slight downgrade. Um, and so we're kind of seeing the new guard and wide receivers. I probably lean Adams just because I've learned to trust him. Uh, and and Jamar, I still love him, and I'm still very excited to have him, but I don't know if I'm drafting him at his current price. I'm probably willing to wait. I would want him to, to slip wait. just a little bit. Yeah, like back end just of the first round, not, I'll do not it. Not much. I just need a little bit of give. Yes. Um, I'll pull up his... There's a, a weekly total I want to check with him, but kind of compare for me the difference between Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, kind of on that weekly basis because, you know, T. Higgins, to me, feels like the safer of these two wide receivers, but he's also the... At his at his price tag, I, I, well, I don't know. Let's put it this way. Let, let me look at this. Some stats I have for T. Higgins, which I was blown away. I didn't realize just how close T. Higgins is to Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase in seventeen games last year had one hundred and twenty eight targets. Did you know that T. Higgins in fourteen games had only eighteen fewer targets? T. Higgins had one hundred and ten targets in fourteen games. Pretty good. Higgins, when they were both on the field, Higgins' target uh, rate per route run was higher than Jamar Chase. Higgins had 23%, Chase had 21%. And when both played together, Higgins had a 25% target share. That's pretty good. T. Higgins is a huge part of this offense. And you can get him way later. Like, like I'm looking at these stats, and these look like wide receiver one numbers, like percentages of usage and all that stuff. Like, this is... And they're all tied to Joe Burrow. Con- fantasy concerns about Joe Burrow or whatever. Th- these are the numbers that support like multiple elite weapons on the same offense. Yeah, I mean, you can certainly see a potential. F- like in Dynasty, these guys are all gold because they're attached to a young elite quarterback. They're all young themselves. Like there's a potential for five plus years of current production from these guys, which is, you just don't see that in fantasy. No. This offense is going to be, for a dynasty, one of the untouchable offenses for a long time. Like, if you've got one, it's going to be hard to get to pry him loose. Yeah. T. Higgins, a little bit cheaper in uh, dynasty formats and a lot cheaper, I think, in redraft formats. Um, 
I still am very willing to take him. The thing with T. Higgins, like he still showed an ability to boom. It's obviously not at the same level that Jamar Chase did. He didn't give you a 50-point week. But T. Higgins, I experienced this last year. He still won me a couple weeks. I mean, he had a week of 37, 24. Um, A lot of his production was consistency. And then, you know, as the team exploded at the end of the year, he also himself exploded. Um, He got, let's see here. What is, uh, he basically got 30 to 40% of his production in three weeks, though. And so I don't like he's safe on a weekly basis. Like he did not kill you in the weeks that he didn't blow up. He was still giving you like 12 points a week. And then he gave you a couple weeks of like 35 and then like 25, 22 kind of weeks. Um, and in those three weeks, he got most of his production. He only finished like 180, 180 fantasy points. So a lot of it came in a condensed period. Um, and I'm a little bit concerned about the offense as a whole. Like, can they week in and week out support elite production? Remains to be seen a little bit. You kind of have to see how it all gels over a second year together. But at T. Higgins' current price tag, I'm willing to take him. Also at Tyler Boyd's current price tag, I'm willing to take him. I think he's easily the third guy here. Um He's the odd man out between those other two elite receivers, but he's still Boy's decent. an okay depth piece. Yeah, I mean he's he's fine to have on your bench. If one of the other two guys gets hurt, Tyler Boyd is a great receiver. Um, he's a guy that can just sit on your bench and be almost like a handcuff wide receiver a little bit. Uh, he had yeah. a fifteen percent target share last year, which isn't great, but it's it's enough to support the occasional good week. I mean if if he had a long touchdown, obviously he'll end up with a good fantasy week. Cause I mean, he's good for like, you know, four for, you know, 45, 50 yards a week. Like he, he has those just boom weeks where, you know, he's all, he's very consistent with his target share and everything. He has that slot role, but then he has those boom weeks where he catches the 50 yarder from Burrow and he has like 20 points. Yeah. They added so a new I tight would, end. Yeah, they do. They got your boy Hayden Hurst from Atlanta. So you've got these three receivers that are awesome. And then now they replace CJ Uzama, who was pretty good last year as a flyer tight end. They replace him with Hayden Hurst, who's a bit more of a run blocker. Um I, I yeah, think Hayden, he's Hayden's a good pass catcher though, which so uh, I think um he'll see an uptick in volume probably from what he was doing in Atlanta. He was the I mean he's not far from his tight end nine season in 2020. And I found an interesting stat that he was actually, uh, Uzama last season was fourth among tight ends in route participation percentage. So, like, like he was behind Kelsey, Pitts, and Andrews, meaning, which is wild. Meaning when he was on the field running routes. When he was on the field, like the percentage of blocking versus routes kind of thing. Gotcha. He was fourth. Yeah. Potentially interesting. So that bodes well for Hayden Hurst. I would take a late flyer on him. Very late. Yeah. He probably will be on a lot of your waiver wires. He's the kind of guy that if I'm sifting through waiver tight ends, the tight end on the elite offense just kind of wins out for me. So Hayden Hurst could be that option for you uh, on your fantasy teams. Yep. 
Shifting very, the- very excited about the Bengals' offense. Some concerns about Joe Burrow, but I think they're going to support some amazing production from their skill position players. Yeah, they will be one of the few elite fantasy offenses to have pieces of. Um, Must watch football when they're on TV. Yeah. Shifting over to the Steelers. This is not must-watch football. <laughs> um, Jake, they, don't kill me. They, Jake is already frustrated with us. so I can hear him steaming right now. <laughs> uh, they drafted Kenny Pickett in the first round, and they brought in Mitchell Trubisky in the offseason to replace Ben Roethlisberger. Um, I guess... Newsflash: Big Ben was not a great quarterback last year. Like he was, he's still a Hall of Famer. He still had a great career, but it was the worst version of Ben last year. And sort of what it led to was he hyper targeted his number one wide receiver. Najee Harris got a ton of volume, a lot of checkdowns. Pat Fryermuth benefited a lot from Big Ben, who basically threw within 15 yards of the line of scrimmage. Now they have a new quarterback, whether it's Kenny Pickett or Mitchell Trubisky. I don't know how much the offense will change, but I'm inclined to believe that they are going to, I guess, open it up a little bit. I think Kenny Pickett can be trusted to throw the ball more than 10 yards downfield. So can Trubisky. Like, whichever one of them starts sort of feels like at, I mean, a lateral move from Ben. Yeah. I think it's probably a benefit to the overall offense, but a downturn for the fantasy options in this offense. I don't know if you feel that way or not. I don't know. I kind of think Najee Harris and Deontay Johnson, I don't think are super affected by this. Najee will be fine. His insane volume and passing workload will more or less be the same. It may help the wide receivers, honestly, just having somebody – like Trubisky, who can throw it deep. Probably yes. uh, probably an upgrade for Claypool, although I don't like Claypool's slight, slightly better for him because he is more of the, you know, throw it up downfield option. So Claypool could, there. he could be of uh, value later in drafts. I think Najee Harris, to be honest with you, is you just kind of lock him and load him for whatever he was last year. The only red flag with Najee Harris is he was tied with Austin Eckler for running back targets last year. He had 94 targets, which is absurd. I think that comes down. I think he was number one. I think he had more catches than Eckler. He may have. Um, That's crazy. It It's really ridiculous. He was also number four in red zone targets for running back. So, like, he was great on volume. I do think his passing volume comes down. I don't think that they're going to check it down to him 94 times. And I also yeah, think... These guys aren't as, I guess, experienced as Ben. I don't know the passing stats of Trubisky when he was with the Bears throwing the running backs, but yeah, I agree. Like He's probably more going to be, I don't want to say less smart with the ball. He's going to try to make the play, whereas Ben was happy to just... Just dump Nagy's it off. right there. Yeah. And also, Trubisky's mobile. Like, he will run a little bit, and Kenny Pickett is yeah. a little bit this way as well. They'll, they're willing to move around in the pocket to run uh, when a play breaks down, and Ben was a statue. I mean, he didn't he didn't move. So Pickett if, did have like a 60-yard touchdown run in college that changed the college game. Yeah. So 
I, I do think things change a little bit. I also think, and I don't know if you're quite in this boat the way I am, but I'm not fully sold on Deontay Johnson. Like, you know, last year he was really great, but a lot of it was he was number two in targets last year. And a lot of people will argue that targets are an earned stat, but also Big Ben, I, I don't know how earned it is when Ben is your quarterback because he just force feeds his number one and number two wide receivers consistently. He's done that his whole career. Like it's it's regardless of who they are, they get targets. And Deontay Johnson just kind of hand in glove fit with Roethlisberger in that Ben did not have arm strength, and Deontay Johnson was an elite short yardage route running technician. And so those two things came together and were like the melding of minds. And Deontay Johnson ended up with a bajillion targets last year. I think he had like 169, 170 targets last year. So he was great for fantasy because of that volume. The problem was he was not efficient at all with his volume. He was outside the top 50 wide receivers in yards per target, catch rate, QBR per target, and fantasy points per target. So like, he was awesome when you look at the totality of his season. He also had uh, a ridiculous touchdown percentage. That's probably going to come down. Um, like, there's just there's more things to be concerned about with Deontay Johnson for me. Um, I'm not willing to you know expect another wide receiver one season. But like, if you can get him as a mid to late wide receiver two, I'm okay with it. Um, if you get him as your wide receiver two on your team, I'm okay with it. If you're able to get like Jamar Chase as your wide receiver one and Deontay as your wide receiver two, I'm okay with it because Deontay I still feel like will be safe. You're doing good. Yeah, you're doing just fine. And you probably have pretty good running backs if that's the case because uh, Deontay, I think you can get him probably in the fifth round, I want to say. Um, so you can you can load up on other positions uh, earlier on, but I'm a little bit concerned about him. I don't think many people realize how tenuous his production was last year like for good or for worse his production heavily relied upon the fact that Big Ben did not want to throw the ball downfield and just wanted to like hyper target Deontay Johnson I'm not convinced it's because Deontay Johnson's a great receiver I think I'm a little bit higher on him than you are I don't think he's gonna I don't know probably not what he was this past year, but I don't think he it's not unrealistic to expect him to be super far off. He's still gonna have an elite target share. He's an excellent wide receiver, great route runner. Um I mean I don't know how far Kenny Pickett and Trubisky are off. They did add George Pickens, but I feel like that probably affects Claypool more than Deontay. I'd agree with that. So where did he finish last year? He was the wide receiver eight last year. I don't think I would expect him to be top ten, but I would still take him in the top fifteen, probably. Or maybe I probably wouldn't take him in the top fifteen, but I expect him to finish there, kind of thing. I think he could slip and fall to you later. If like if he, if he's your wide receiver two, I think that's that's a f- great wide receiver two. Yeah, it's probably a pretty safe wide receiver two. Um, just probably doesn't give you the boom weeks. Um, Chase Claypool is a guy that we've been waiting for all that potential to translate to elite fantasy production. 
Hasn't happened yet, and I don't think it will happen going forward. I think George Pickens was drafted to be his replacement, to be totally honest with you. It remains to be seen. Uh, Deontay Johnson's in a contract year. Chase Claypool will be the year after that. Um, I think Pickens, and we don't even have him on here, but Calvin Austin the third is another guy that they drafted this past season. So they drafted two new wide receivers. I'm hesitant on Claypool going forward, and I think you hate him. So I, I don't like Claypool, Claypool at all. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think he's ever going to be what his potential says he should be. I don't really like him as a player or really a person all that much. <laughs> um, That's probably where some of my Claypool hate comes from. Yeah. It's just bias. I'm like, I, I'm just not a fan of him. He's, I don't know. He's he's a little bit of that, like, internet cocky player that just, I don't know, rubs like me the I, wrong way. I, I never liked him. I didn't. I wasn't a huge fan last year, and then just as I watched him this past season, and my breaking point was the, uh, you know, the celebration with time on the clock and everything to go. Oh yeah. And then they interviewed him afterward, and he blamed it on his offensive lineman. Like, what is wrong with you? That was bad. So that's personal bias, though. Nothing really to do with fantasy, but. Still, he's not going to be that good. He's well behind Deontay Johnson in this offense. The new quarterback coming in, I I just don't want anything to do with it. The um, the final piece of this offense is tight end Pat Fryermuth. Um, Fryermuth last year was kind of a revelation for fantasy teams, and he. At times, people were saying, you know, they wish they would have taken him over Kyle Pitts, which is obviously foolish. ADP um, reasons, yes, I agree. Yeah, and in, in terms of return on investment, Pat Frymuth was great. He finished as the uh, tight end 13 in PPR. Um, he was awesome in terms of that Talent-wise, of return. course, he's nowhere close to Pitts, but... When you where did you where do you think people got fired me? I don't know what his ADP was last year, but I know Pitts was going in like the fourth round, and yeah. for one touchdown, that's just not good. Whereas Fryermuth, I think, scored like seven. Yeah, so Fryermuth probably a waiver wire pickup. Yeah, he was definitely a waiver wire pickup on your rosters. He had seventy nine targets, five just a tad under five hundred yards, and had seven touchdowns. He to me feels due for some regression, especially touchdown regression. I don't think he's going to sniff seven touchdowns next year. Obviously, that's a volatile stat. that's kind of unpredictable. But I'm also not 100% sure he even sniffs the target total he did last year. Um, I think the passing volume as like a whole for this offense regresses just a little bit. Um, you know, even... Even though Big Ben was not good last year, they threw the ball a ton. I want to say they were top 10 yeah. in neutral I mean, he was throwing like 40 times um, a game. Yeah, I mean, they threw the ball a ton, but it was in like neutral game scripts. They were top 10 in passing. Um, I, don't, I don't They passed the ball in neutral scripts a lot. <laughs> Let's put Another it thing to keep in mind for this offense is I wouldn't be shocked to see them have a high-volume passing offense, if you look at the teams around them, 
they're going to be in a lot of shootouts. They're yeah. going to have to throw the ball to stay in games. And also, I, I trust the Steelers organization. I trust Mike Tomlin. They always make smart moves. Guys like Pickens, they develop them well. Like It's just well run. More than likely, they're going to be fine. So... Yeah, they. I don't know. They're I. I think with the Steelers, they'll be fine. They'll probably be maybe not a playoff team, but they'll be kind of in the hunt a little bit. Um, I think with them, it's trying to figure out how this new quarterback, whichever one it is, where does the fantasy points come from with the new quarterback? Because obviously with Ben, we knew it was focused kind of into two players, and Fryermuth, you can throw him in there as well. Um, does does the new regime spread the ball around a little bit more? Do they still continue to focus it to two or maybe three players? That part of it remains to be seen. I don't think there's going to be a vast difference in terms of like overall team success this year from no, last year. I don't year. think so either. Oh, the I mean, receiving that, that options is great. Receiving options, I would maybe drop them down a little bit, but not a ton, just because I don't know what's what to expect from the quarterback position but I don't think it's going to be far from what it was last year. So Claypool, I would drop him down more because they added George Pickens. Fryermuth, not super excited, but again, wouldn't be shocked to see him do pretty much what he did last year. Maybe not seven touchdowns, but he'll still be fine as a you know uh, fill-in for your starting uh, wide receiver. Najee Harris, where'd you pick him last year? You probably got to pick him a little bit higher this year. He's going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like it's just blah offense, but like you know it's going to be okay kind of thing. I think what's good about this offense is you know for the most part where the fantasy production is going to come from. Like I don't think there's going to be fantasy surprises in this offense. Like Najee Harris, you know he's going to be good. Deontay Johnson, probably a slightly downgraded version of his past self. Pat Fryermuth. Not a ton, though. Yeah, maybe not a ton. I'm really low on him, and I probably need to rise on him. But overall, it's probably somewhat similar to what the offense was last year. Yeah. The Baltimore Ravens, final team in this is a fun one. the AFC North. Lots of, well, maybe not tons of differences, but there's a few notable ones. Obviously, the running backs yeah, all died. Like there's, some, there's some pretty good difference, differences from last year. Well, yeah. Just from last year itself, they they transitioned to throwing the ball a lot more last year. They averaged ten more passes per game last year than in the previous two seasons with Lamar Jackson as the quarterback. Things look like they're going to transition back to a rushing dominant offense. Uh, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards are back from their season-ending injuries. Lamar Jackson looks like he's probably going to run the ball a little bit more than he did last year. Hopefully, he doesn't get injured. And Marquise Brown departs for the Arizona Cardinals, uh, leaving Rashad Bateman as the presumptive wide receiver one. So starting with Lamar, the quarterback, the head of the snake, um, he disappointed a little bit for fantasy last year, but I don't think that tells the full story of Lamar Jackson last year, Ben. It does not. He was the quarterback five prior to his injury from weeks one to ten. So... He was really good. <laughs> um, I'm looking at his like the points he put up per game. He really only had one week that he really disappointed you. That was week 12 against the Chargers, was where that he the scored four interception week. 
Uh, no, that was against Cleveland. I wasn't. Was I rough. guess I wasn't counting that yet because we kind of had a bunch of injuries, concerns, and stuff after that. Because he got hurt in week eleven, but before that, weeks like you said, one to twelve, the twelve point week against the Chargers was really only the only bad game for fantasy he had. He had 19, 33, 20, 20, 45, 24, 33, 16, eh, but. Some yeah, of that was. Why people hate him so much. Yeah, some of it is his past two seasons, he's ended up finishing, I think it was two years ago, he was a late QB1, and then last year he finished, obviously, because he got hurt at like quarterback 15 or something like that. So his year-end finishes have not been, I think, up to par. And I think some he of that is... just hasn't had the MVP season again. Right. And the MVP season kind of soured because he was like quarterback one, was amazing, was like ridiculously dominant. And he hasn't hit that same threshold again. And I don't know that he ever will. Um, but I don't know. I'm, I, I, I am rising pretty high on Lamar. I would expect... I would expect the top five season almost. I think he's going to run more this year. I think with the rushing offense, with them getting health, if they stay staying healthy, is going to be the key for this offense. When they're staying healthy, I expect him to return to form. See, I still think that he could be top five without having like that MVP form. Like, I mean, he had oh, yeah, thirty five hundred yards, like thirty six touchdowns as MVP year. I still think he could be top five because he can hit a thousand yards rushing, probably eight. To ten touchdowns rushing, and then Almost give you like, like three thousand hit a thousand yards rushing, right? And then he can give you another three thousand passing and probably twenty to twenty five passing touchdowns. If he doesn't throw a ton of picks, he probably finishes the top five quarterback in fantasy, and that's kind of what I expect from Lamar going forward. And he's probably a bit of a value, just because he's going. You know, I I need to pull up his ADP. I don't know exactly where he's going. He's probably going at like QB seven, maybe. Um, in probably the that, I think right. Maybe he's probably going sixth round, fifth round. Fantasy Pros has him QB four. That is high. I would consider taking him there, though. I'd think about it for sure. Um, he's in the conversation with Mahomes, with Herbert, um, just because of the rushing volume. Where you're thinking with, about it with no DeAndre Hopkins for seven weeks, would you take him over Kyler? I might. I probably would. Yeah, I'd think about it for sure. Um, I'm, I, you know, I might do that for just for this year because of the situation. I probably would lean Lamar Jackson over Kyler Murray. Yeah. Kyler, JK. we or not or we? Yeah, we know. I'm saying Kyler, tongue tied. Lamar going to be elite, assuming he stays healthy. Lock it in. Yeah, J.K. Dobbins. Comes back from the Here's injury. Here's where it gets interesting. J.K. Dobbins. All right, Ben. Um, I am not really in on J.K. Dobbins. I'm expecting injury regression. I'm expecting, you know, year one post-ACL, we've seen running backs, they need a little bit of time to get back in the swing of things. We saw what Saquon Barkley was year one post-ACL. ACL's really weird. Yes. Because it's one of those injuries like people – sort of discount it because we've seen guys come back so well from it 
So I was in on Saquon Barkley last year because I thought like he, it was just an ACL. He had at the beginning of the year, he's had a full year to recover. He's going to be fine, and he wasn't. Like he was wasn't what he was. And and that's Saquon Barkley, like the super elite receiving dominant back. And I don't think J.K.'s that. No. And he's in an offense where he's not going to get the chance to give you that third down passing workload that would really make him solidify. Like, if he were to catch passes, he would be an elite fantasy option because he's a great runner. And he's in a rushing yeah. oh, offense he's a where... extremely talented running, super athlete. Yeah, and because of the offense, he's going to average over five yards a carry. Like, you can just pretty much lock that in. So I he's going to have... his rookie season, he was doing something like ridiculous, like six or something yards a carry. Yes. <laughs> his efficiency metrics were absurd down the stretch his rookie year. But he still and, was only averaging like 13 fantasy points a game that stretch his rookie year. That was insane. And this year he's coming off the ACL injury. Things have changed a little bit. And with bit. us sort of expecting Lamar to return to form, like he should, he should maintain efficiency. He should still be extremely efficient. Yeah. That being said, there's some very glaring red flags with J.K. Dobbins outside of just the ACL. Yeah, he, uh, he averaged one catch per game his rookie year. He had 18 catches in 17 or uh, 16 games. He had 18 catches. That is so. Not say great. that goes up. Say that goes up 100 percent this year. That's 36 receptions. Jonathan Taylor, fantasy guides on Instagram. Check them out. They're really good. He's got a really good page. But he had a very interesting post today that um, had JT talked about Jonathan Taylor how he had one of the lowest RB1 finishes in the past decade. Jonathan Taylor had 40 receptions last year, averaged, I think, 21 points a game, and he scored 20 touchdowns to do it. So we're talking J.K. Dobbins. If he completely doubles his reception totals from rookie year, which there's no chance that happens, that's 36 receptions, and he would have to score 20 touchdowns to come close to what Jonathan Taylor just did. So, like, there's no way with Lamar Jackson as the elite rushing quarterback he is, there's just no way he ever comes anywhere close to those numbers. Yeah, I um, I like Dobbins, but I think because of the offense, I'm not willing to go all in on him. I've currently got him as my RB23. So, I think, who's who's going around him? In that same range, I have, and I probably need to adjust these rankings, but I've got Aaron Jones, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, Elijah Mitchell, Damian Harris, Kareem Hunt, kind of in that same ballpark. Yeah, I would have him above the guys like Pollard and Hunt, who are, I guess, backups on their team, but definitely lower than Aaron Jones. You got Aaron Jones low. Yeah, I need to. I need to fix Aaron Jones a little bit. Yeah, I think I still probably take Zeke over him. I don't know, RB, but anywhere between RB 21, 25, that's probably where he needs to be. Yeah. He's going to probably be a little bit risky for you. Um, Feels like Chubb. won't give you that Very safety. efficient, but, but he's like just a, the ceiling's capped. A lesser version of Chubb. And also, 
because Lamar Jackson's the quarterback, he doesn't have that potential goal line elite volume. Like J.K. Dobbins to me can't get to 15 touchdowns. Like it just won't happen. He probably can't even get to 12. Um, he's probably like an eight touchdown a season guy, which is great. But if you don't get, like you have to get either elite uh, passing volume or elite goal line touchdown production in order to be an elite running back. And I don't think he gets either of those. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that. Gus Edwards I, gives you like probably 80% of J.K. Dobbins, if not like 85, 90% of J.K. Dobbins. Um, he's a handcuff to me. Yeah. Good handcuff feels like Alexander Madison type of handcuff. Yep. Very, very safe. Um, just re- replaces the starter. Kind of you just slot him in. They also signed Mike Davis in the offseason. I legitimately forgot about it. <laughs> ben had to put Mike it's, Davis in the dock. Yeah, you 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 had no idea. Like they signed Mike Davis. I'm like, yeah, that was like two months ago, dude. Yeah, Mike Mike Davis was so irrelevant on a terrible team last year. Now he's the third running back for the Ravens. I I mean I get why they signed he, him. I mean he's no insurance. fantasy value, but it stings J.K. and Gus maybe just a little bit. Maybe it shows to me like maybe they want to use somewhat of a committee yeah i mean mike davis not like he's gonna to me are like on a similar level maybe like we've seen mike davis in a handcuff role be awesome we've also seen gus edwards in a handcuff role be awesome but i don't think that either one of them are great you know year-long starters Um, and we saw guys in this offense be good like devonta freeman and guys like that last season so I don't know, just with Lamar raising the efficiency of the offense, if someone were to go down, they're very interesting. Switching over to the pass catchers, we've got the new wide receiver one. (laughs) Yeah, there are two of them. Um, (laughs) Rashad Bateman, the new wide receiver one, now that Marquise Brown's gone. We talked about him in our wide receiver threes to wide receiver ones episode. Did a really deep dive on him. If you want that full breakdown, check out that episode. We'll just kind of run through it really quickly right here with him. Um, He averaged 6.2 targets last year in games. He played 60-plus percent of snaps. That, I think, is prescriptive going forward. He's probably going to average even more targets than that. I kind of think he's probably in that 7.5 to 8 target a game kind of range uh, week in and week out. Um, The other note for Bateman and why I think he's got potential to be really, really good is that Mark Andrews last year had 153 targets, which was way more than his previous season best. His previous season best was like 98 or something like that. Um, Mark Andrews had a 26% target share. I think that that comes down. And the reason why I think it comes down is if you look at, if you just pull up Mark Andrews' splits with Lamar Jackson as his quarterback and with Tyler Huntley as his quarterback, he was averaging like, 13 to 14 fantasy points a game with Lamar Jackson, and then like 21 and a half, 22 with Tyler Huntley. So Mark Andrews smashed towards the end of the season, and probably a lot of people are seeing Mark Andrews for the 22 fantasy points a game, when in reality with his actual starting quarterback, he was more about 14, which was, that was really what he was in previous years. Like he was a 12 to 14 points a game guy, 
which is great for tight ends. Like that is elite tight end production, but he's not going to return to that 2022 fantasy points a game kind of deal. Like that's not happening again. And I think his target volume regresses to probably like 115, 120, still amazing. You still take him as like a top three tight end because tight ends all suck. But I do think that his, but it's true. (laughs) Um, I think his like wide receiver one production as a tight end regresses a little bit, and Rashad Bateman takes a little bit of a step forward. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think with Marquise Brown exiting, I don't really expect Andrews' target volume to come down. I think as much as you do. I mean, I still expect anywhere between one thirty, one fifty targets, kind of like the same, because, I mean. And, or was it Brown? I think it had 150 targets last year, so that's those vacated targets are gone. So as many should go to Bateman. It's not like they're gonna take a bunch from Andrews either. So he'll he'll still get a huge amount. I don't expect the 21 points a game, just outlier, but still, if you can get 14 points a week from your tight end position, like that's gold. That being said, last year they did throw the ball 10 passes a game more than the previous two years. So, like, they're probably going to regress to, like, 27 attempts a game, and last year they were at 36. So the passing pie will shrink overall, but it is still condensed to two players pretty much, and that means that both Bateman and Andrews are really valuable. They've got Devin DuVernay on the roster probably as the third wide receiver. You have just a big... Who underneath his name? <laughs> it is who? Uh, and that's Devin Duvernay. That's about all you can say about that. I don't know. I mean, he'll catch a touchdown a couple times this year probably. Maybe. <laughs> Going to have those guys, gosh, I should have started Devin Duvernay. Dang it. Week one, Thank Devin you, Duvernay. Idiot. Week one, Devin Duvernay surprises everyone, takes over the Sammy Watkins role where he surprises week one and then sucks after that. How about that? Pick up Devin Duvernay, sell him immediately. <laughs> you, you you need to sell Devin Duvernay like as it. Dude, he's the wide receiver too under yeah. Lamar Jackson. Dude, he's going to be good. Why do I sound like Marcus right now? I don't know. <laughs> Our buddy Mark, he, 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 Marcus, full disclosure, he always goes on rants like that, like trying to convince you. Dude, 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 dude listen, man, listen. Dude, trust me. Y'all don't know Marcus, but it's funny. Yeah, it's fine. It's it's, it's, it's a good inside joke. Um, that's it for idiot. the AFC North divisional breakdown. We've got more divisional breakdowns coming for you. That was you. a long episode. That was a good one. That was chock full of meat. That's what that was. Man meat? Man meat. <laughs> if you enjoyed the episode, please leave a rating uh, here on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Leave a rating there. Review. Wherever where, you listen. Wherever you can do it. Leave a feedback. <laughs> um, if you you don't have to like it, it can be negative. Yeah, just as long sucks. as I I want it. Listen, you can you can tell us to suck, we suck, or anything like that, but at least include why. Fair enough. I want to know why. If you enjoy what we're doing here with the Fantasy Brothers, consider partnering with us on Patreon. There's a lot of fun things over there. Uh, maybe even just throw a couple dollars a month over there. And that keeps the show chugging along. We'll see you later this week when we have another divisional breakdown. More fantasy man meat. Uh, All kinds of fun stuff. 
We'll see you later. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode and want to connect to us, follow us on Instagram at fantasybrothers underscore or on Twitter at fantasybros underscore. If you want to support the show, you can do that at Patreon forward slash fantasybrothers.